This week uh, we're looking at uh, the next in our series, uh, we're working through uh, the in 1 and 2 Kings, uh, the lives of uh, Elijah uh, and Elisha. And uh, the title of the series uh, is The Living God, uh, who works through people just like us. Um, and we're looking today at 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, verses 1 uh, to 15. Uh, the um, scriptures will come up on the screen, but if you want to follow on your phone or your Bible, uh, please do um, find that and turn to that now. So, uh, this week uh, we're looking at the transition, actually, between um, Elijah, uh, the prophet, uh, and Elisha. Uh, and their, um, their job from God was to bring uh, the word of God uh, to God's people uh, in Israel. And uh, what God highlighted to me as I was preparing this uh, was that this is a passage about big choices. Of course, we follow God uh, in the day to day. But every now and then, there are times when our lives change quite a lot more substantially. Um, There are big decisions to be made. There are big decisions, things like uh, jobs, things like location, uh, things like relationships. And we can be presented with a choice about what we're going to invest our time, what we're going to invest our energy in. And it can feel sometimes quite overwhelming uh, in those moments. And this is a really, really big day in Elisha's life. But what we want to draw out of this is what does it mean for us to walk with the living God in moments like this. So, hopefully you found it now. Um, it's uh, Eli- it's uh, what 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, verses 1 uh, to 15. The heading uh, in my Bible is Elijah taken to heaven. And it starts, verse 1. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind... There's a plot spoiler there about what's going to happen later on. (laughs) Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he says, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? Sorry. Um, The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answers, yes, I know it, keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, and as they were both standing by the Jordan. Um, By the way, the phrase sons of the prophets, I um, practiced this last night with Helen. It's a bit of a strange turn of phrase, but it just means of the type. 
So you, somebody, if somebody is your son, they are all kind of like you. So they, it's, that's what that's getting at. It's not saying you know, necessarily literal sons. They're prophetic people. Um, so there they are standing by the Jordan. Um, Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let me there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And they still went on and talked. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. So, (laughs) this is a, a big moment in Elisha's life. I wonder if you reflect on your own life, where those big change moments have come. For me, um, looking back, it was a really big moment for me going to university and leaving home. It was a really uh, big and really wonderful moment getting married. I went from being single to being married. It's It's a big change in your life. And... About 10 years ago, Helen and I moved, uh, we met in Bristol, and we moved to Hertfordshire to to here, Um, and that was a really big life change uh, moment. So I want to think about this story from Elisha's point of view, and think about this life change moment, and how God is guiding him through that. And then hopefully, as we think on our own lives and we think about the life change moments that we've had in the past and the ones that will inevitably happen in the future, we can take some of those things that uh, God guided Elisha through and apply those same principles to our own lives and just know God better in those moments. So, uh, just to kind of give a little bit of context before I go into that. Uh, Last week, uh, when we um, got together, we were looking at uh, the moment of... Um, Elijah having a a great victory and then uh, he goes away from there and he's in a really bad place and he goes to a cave and um, God meets with him there and it's a wonderful a wonderful kind of connection that Elijah has in that moment and um, one of the things that comes out of the back of that is he tells Elijah I want you to go and anoint Elisha who will succeed you, who will carry the the word of God in the future. So he anoints Elisha to be prophet in his place. If you read from that point, 
until the start of Two Kings, Elisha doesn't get mentioned again, really. There's no, like he gets anointed, and then there, all these other things happen. There are actually three kings. So we have um, Ahab as the king when the bit we were looking at last week, and then there are three more. So there's Jehoshaphat, Ahaziah, and Jehoram. Um, and Elijah remains faithful in bringing God's word to each of those kings. Um, and we, as I said, we don't hear about Elisha. Presumably he's there that whole time, picking it all up. He's watching how Elijah does everything. We come to this story. Finally, it's time for the handover. So we have this slightly strange journey that goes on. Um, So Elijah tells uh, Elisha, I'm going to this place and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go by myself. And Elisha says, no, no, I'm coming with you. And then they keep going, they keep going further east. This happens four times. And the second and the third times, there are these groups of prophets. Uh, They come up to them and they spell out to Elisha exactly what's going to happen. And the fourth time, there's a bigger group of them. They kind of stand at a distance and watch. It's a little bit strange. (laughs) Um, As they're standing at uh, at this point, this is at the Jordan, um, and Elijah parts the River Jordan by striking it with his cloak. And this this is exactly the the way that God brought his people into the Promised Land across that river and by parting it in a similar kind of way. They walk across on the dry land. uh, And then uh, Elijah asks Elisha, why is it that you've come this far? Um, And Elisha asks for a double portion of his spirit. And Elijah says, I can't give you that. Um, The authority to give that is God's, not mine. But if you see me leave you, that's something that God will do do to either show him that or not to show him that, um, then that anointing is yours. And Elisha, of course, does see God take Elijah up to heaven and he gets the blessing, and he prays, he strikes the water, and he comes through uh, the River Jordan back uh, into, into uh, Israel. So as I said, uh, I want to focus on this story from the point of uh, Elisha, and I feel that there are three A's here for um, this, for Elisha. Um, my first one is quite tenuous. <laughs> but there we go, it's up on the screen. Are you sure... And then the second one is asking, and the third one is anointing, and we'll come to those in a moment. So first of all, are you sure? The life of a prophet uh, in those days involved a lot of walking, a lot of going places, and uh, Elijah makes it clear to Elisha, this isn't a normal kind of setup. Uh, they normally, Elijah's normally hearing from God to go to a certain place to see a certain person and to deliver a word. Uh, to that person. This time he just gets a place and he goes to that place and then he gets the next place and he goes to that place and he gets the next place. So Elisha, even before these prophets come up to him and say all this stuff about exactly what's going on, he must have had an idea that something was up. And by the time they've said it very bluntly to him and he's told them to be quiet, he's definitely got a very clear idea about exactly what's going to be happening on this day. When God calls us to something, 
it's not always uh, quite like this, but for something big, there are very often these are you sure moments, these are you sure points. So last weekend, uh, Helen and I watched a film, and Helen is into uh, films that have, she likes a lot more tension in her films than I do. Um, and this is a film, uh, if uh, you can get that up on the screen, there we go. Has anyone seen The Commuter with Liam Neeson? Um, I needed to do some ironing in this film. It was, it was too tense for me. <laughs> Liam Neeson is a, uh, he's just a normal guy, gets on a train uh, in New York City, um, and he gets approached by this woman uh, who... Um, has a, a kind of fairly ordinary conversation with him that you wouldn't think too much of, but she set, kind of sets a, a bit of a, a seed or a bit of a challenge for him. And then he, he chooses to act on that and then finds himself uh, stuck on this train with more and more and more extreme things happening. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but basically the, the, the bad guys are manipulating his situation, and he feels that he can't get off this train, otherwise bad things are going to happen to people on the train, to people who are not on the train. The reason I'm telling you this uh, is uh, not just to recommend a film, <laughs> it's... I, want to, I just want to say, sometimes we can feel in circumstances that we can be trapped into a an end destination and a place that we're going that we don't want to go to. But God isn't like that. God doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't get us uh, onto, uh, into, onto a train where there is, um, isn't really a, a genuine choice to get off any of the stop, stops. Otherwise, these awful things are going to happen. God is kind with us. God is kind to Elisha and he's kind to us as well. He spends, Elisha spent pretty much his whole life. It's been a long time since that first anointing. And he's got probably this expectation of everybody else that he's on this train. He's on, he's to going to this destination of being the one who takes over from Elijah. But God is kind to him in that he's, he gives him these moments where he's just saying to him just between you and me are you sure? Do you want to go this way? Because actually God is bigger than the job that he's doing. God's purposes are bigger than the job that he's doing. God's purposes are for Elisha, he wants his heart before he wants his hands to do the job. And if Elisha had said, no, actually, no, I don't want to do this, God's more than capable of working with someone else. The main point here is not the job that needs doing, it's Elisha's heart. God doesn't want Elisha just to be passive and to go along with the status quo, to go along with everybody else's expectations about what's going to happen. He also asks him 
to be active in choosing what comes next. He's active in choosing to go to each of these next places. But then when he goes across this, the Jordan, there's a, a moment where he is asked by Elijah, what do you want to do? So that's my point two. So after all of these are you sure's, there's the asking moment. And Elisha asks Elijah for the double portion. Um, that's what today's title is, uh, The Living God Who Gives a Double Portion. And this is a kind of shorthand, uh, kind of, it's, there's quite a lot of stuff that's packed into that idea of this double portion. It's, the double portion is what is given to the firstborn uh, as an inheritance. And I've just started uh, listening through uh, a whole a podcast about um, the double portion. It's uh, the Bible Project guys are doing it. I haven't got very far with it yet. Um, but the, the basic premise of it is that um, if you are the firstborn, you have uh, the double portion of the inheritance, but you also have the responsibility for carrying on the family name, for carrying on the family way of doing things. It's it's not something we have really in our culture, but certainly in biblical times, it was a really big thing about keeping the family going and uh, getting the double portion was basically about saying that you are taking this responsibility as well as this inheritance from Elijah to Elisha. So this asking thing, Jesus does it too. Jesus asks sometimes some really obvious questions, but because he needs the person that he's speaking to to give him the answer. The, as I was prepping this, the time that particularly um, jumped out to me was where there's a, there's a blind, blind guy at the side of the road who calls out to Jesus. And uh, Jesus goes o- over to him and says, what do you want? <laughs> You're gonna think, well, it's, isn't it quite obvious? But he, Jesus is engaging with the, the blind guy to, because um, he, he wants his heart and he wants him to ask him for what he wants. And he says, I want to receive my sight. And then Jesus goes on to do that. Jesus told his followers, he told us to ask for what we need, to ask for what we want, because he wants us to depend on him as the source of all good things. And I think it's really interesting that Elijah, when he gets this request from God, sorry, from, um, he gets this request from Elisha, he doesn't want to put himself in the place of being God. He's not saying, okay, I'm going to give you this inheritance. He says, no, no, that's, only God can give that. So he, he says, if God shows you um, me being taken up, uh, then you have it, because then it's God that's given it. And of course, uh, God does show him, and God does give it. So then we have uh, the anointing that comes. Elisha has to step out in this anointing. He has to test it. He gets to the River Jordan and he's got Elijah's uh, cloak there and he doesn't have a way across. So he says, where is 
the God of Elijah, and he, do, he, he acts in that authority that he's been given. He acts in the anointing that he's been given, and the water uh, parts, and he comes back through. Elisha's waited through the reign of three different kings for this moment, being devoted to God, being devoted uh, to helping Elijah. And he's not really particularly visible in that time, at least not to the person who's writing the account here for us. You know, he's not mentioned from the point that he's anointed originally to uh, this section we're looking at now. But that faithfulness through all of that time uh, is rewarded by God. And Elisha does do loads of miracles. He's anointed to bring the presence of God in his generation. So we have these three A's. We have, are you sure? We have asking. And we have anointing. I think they're not just for Elisha. I think they're for us uh, too. And I think they can really help us to see God Uh, in the big decisions that come in our lives. And I think more importantly than that, and more significantly, they also come in the life of Jesus. Jesus had the biggest and the most significant decision to make in his life, which was choosing to go to the cross and to die. And as Christians, we believe that this is the most significant Actually, not just the most significant moment in his life. It's the most significant event that ever happened in the universe, ever, in all of creation. Jesus, throughout his life, had people questioning what he was doing. There were so many are you sure moments for Jesus. It started in the desert. The devil is testing him when he goes out in the desert right at the beginning. You can read about this at the beginning of Mark um, the devil saying, do you really want to go through with this? And he shows him the alternatives, the, the other options that he could have if he didn't go through with going to the cross. The religious leaders questioned Jesus. His friends questioned him. The Roman judge who sent, sentenced Jesus to death questioned him. People were even questioning him, what's the point of this, as he hung on the cross. That was even one of the guys hanging next to him, was questioning him in that moment. And Jesus was steadfast in the face of this question, in the face of all this questioning, and he asked God for what he wanted. We can think sometimes, actually, we don't know what we want. If I don't know what I want, how can I ask for it? And we can think, of course, Jesus knew that his purpose on earth was to go through uh, with going to the cross. But even Jesus, who had this super clear sense of purpose and of clarity about what what he was doing, he still said the words in the Garden of Gethsemane, please take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. There is a clear decision point. There's a clear asking. Jesus is choosing the cross actively. This is not a passive 
sitting in the status quo, letting things happen and just letting it go on. He's actively choosing. This is even pointed out to him on the cross by people mocking him. They say, well, you could command the angels to take you down from there. And of course he could. But he doesn't. Jesus is, has such a faith in his Father to go to the cross and everything we see proves that he had the anointing, proves that he was the anointed king that he said that he was. If you look at the way that he dies, you look at the way he's raised on the third day, you look at the way he's taken up at the ascension, So what about you? What has God called you to in your life? Sometimes we can identify it most clearly through the questions that swirl around that thing. The temptation to stop walking that way and just stay where we are rather than going to the next place that God calls us to. The repeated are you sure moments. Even if we are super confident about it, there is still a process that God takes us through before a big life change moment where he, he wants us to connect our heart with his before we actually do anything. When we face these moments in faith, when we go through this experience, when we discern God's voice amongst these conflicting thoughts, we can find the confidence together with God to answer the question, what do you want? And to take faith, to test that anointing, and to take action from it, to do that first step of God, are you going to show up for me like you did for him? So, as I prep this, I just was asking God, um, maybe if the band could come up, and um, I was asking God, what, what do you want to say today? What's... Are there any situations that you want to speak into this morning for people? And the first one, I just, it just really struck me about how long Elisha waited for this moment. There were three kings that came and, and went. And I just wonder if there are people here who feel that actually there's a lot of time that has gone by when you've been waiting for God to come through on something. And you might be saying, actually, I'm quite old now. Elisha would have been pretty old when this all started. God's saying, don't count yourself out. I've still got a purpose for your life. And I want you to ask again. We had in the worship these words about bringing uh, a sacrifice. 
I thought what James just showed us was just incredible to that sense of obedience. I don't have the word, but I know that God told me to come and stand here. (laughs) And God's saying, if you will put yourself in that place, if you'll ask again, I will come through for you. And lastly, I just feel that God wants to remind some people here about what he's like. That he's not a God of manipulation. He's not a God of coercion. It might be that you wouldn't even say that you have faith, but Jesus said, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Just have to ask. And he wants to show himself to, to you. So I'm just going to pray. Um, and if any of those things uh, speak to you, um, come and find me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. Um, come and find Emma. Um, we have a, a great leadership team here. That we can, we'd love to just pray with you and, and stand uh, before, you, before God with you on any of these things. But I just want to pray for everybody right now. Uh, if you're able, if you'd like to stand, and then we'll, we'll just, I'll pray, and then we're just going to worship. Lord, I just thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you for your word that speaks into our lives. Thank you for these events that happened so, so long ago. Thank you that by your spirit they come alive for us today and that you speak into our lives about what you want for us. Thank you that you don't just expect us to do stuff for you because that's what everyone's always thought is going to happen and yeah, we've been walking this path a long time. Actually, you... You say to us in kindness, are you sure? And that you get us to ask. And thank you that you are the one who shapes our desires, who shapes our hearts. When we come before you and just say, this is me. I don't have this, but you do. Well, thank you just for your kindness and for your incredible power to remind us again that you are the source of all life you have all good things and we just have to ask and that's what we're choosing to do this morning we're asking again that you would bring blessing where there is dryness you would bring uh, fruit where there has been barrenness for a long time uh, that you would um, just speak your light into dark situations and where those things have been going on for a long time just thank you that you show us people who've walked this path before us thank you for Elisha and thank you that this What we've read today was just the start. And thank you that today is just the start for each one of us of the rest of our lives of following you, of trusting you, of serving you, of seeing you come through. 
and seeing extraordinary things. Amen.